Thank you for joining us for a life-changing message from Norm Oberlin, pastor of Mount Hope Church in beautiful Gaylord, Michigan. Our prayer is that this message will help strengthen and encourage your walk with Christ. Please enjoy. And now, here is Pastor Norm. Foundational truths, the flood. We've spent, this will be our third week, hence part three. Part three. Everybody say part three. We've been looking at this for three weeks. Are you getting anything out of it? What I love about God's Word is it does not, will not return void. Whenever God's Word is read, whenever it's preached, it does something. You cannot hear the Word of God and not have it change you. Now, it might make you more miserable. Anybody say amen? (laughs) You know what I'm saying. If you're not living on the right side, it will not help you that much. It's just going to convict the daylights out of you, and you're going to be going, what must I do to be saved? But if you are living on the right side, and you hear the word, what's it do? It liberates. It gives life. Hallelujah. And that's why I love doing what I get to do every Sunday. In the last two messages that I presented we focused on the passages of Scripture that relate to Noah, his family, and of course the great flood that came upon the the earth per the Lord's command. The Bible tells us that the flood was sent to cleanse the earth because God could no longer tolerate the level of evil that man had risen to. According to Scripture, there was only one who was righteous, and who was that? Noah. Noah. Genesis 7, 1, and there are some other scriptures below it. When everything was ready, the Lord said to Noah, Go into the boat with all your family, for among all the people of the earth, I can see that you alone are righteous. That must have been a lonely place. Let me ask, how many in this room today work in an environment that you would consider to be close to the pits of hell? And as a believer, if you light, let your light shine, as Scripture tells us to do, hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. If you let your light shine, what happens? Do people come up, hey, thank you for being a believer. <laughs> Not unlike Noah, you're ridiculed. You're persecuted for your faith. Why? Because you convict them of their sins. From the passages on the flood, it becomes evident that God is a holy and pure God. And it is because of the inherent good within Him that prevents Him from being able to tolerate our wickedness or the evil that was all around the world at that time. God cannot be in the presence of sinners And that's why you need to accept what Jesus did. Because His blood cleanses you of your unrighteousness. Consider the light in the dark just for a minute. Where one finds light, there can be... I must have taken that slide out. There can be no darkness. Where one finds light, there can be no darkness. The two are not compatible. 
even if you were to turn all the lights off in this room and cover the window so you couldn't see any light, and then someone were to take a small match and light it, that room has light. Even though most of the room is darker than where that match is at, there is still light you can see. God cannot be in the presence of sin just like a light cannot be in the presence of darkness. Are you hearing me? The Bible teaches that God, and specifically Jesus, is light. And I wanted to read from John 3.16, and usually we stop at 3.16, 3.17. I wanted to go a little further this morning. And this is just a prelude into my message, by the way. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will perish. Will what? Will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his Son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. There is no judgment, oops, there is no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only Son. What you need to see here is this isn't God's fault if you end up in hell. What you need to see here is it's not God's fault if you end up in hell. Man, I thought people would get a little more excited about that. Whose fault is it? It's your own. You choose where you're going to live for eternity by believing or by not believing in Jesus Christ. Verse 19 and following, and the judgment is based on this fact. God's light, what? God's light came into the world, but people love the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it, for fear their sins will be exposed. Have you ever read that part before? But those who do what is right come into the light. You should be just like a moth is drawn to the porch light. That's how you should be when it comes to the things of God. You should be drawn to the light. Not the other way. Not closing yourself in your little cubicle or your little bedroom or whatever it is and doing things that God would shudder at. Those who do what is right come into the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. Have you ever seen that part? God uses you and me as his light so that others can see he's making a difference in our life. I've lived on both sides of the fence. I was a wicked person. And now, thanks to the blood of Jesus, I've been forgiven, I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, and I am filled with God's Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. And what that means is, I'm a whole lot better than I was before. Because the old man was wicked. There was nothing good in me. But now I've got Jesus in me. The most important treasure you could ever place in your heart.
Hallelujah. John expresses this idea a little further in 1 John 5 and following. This is the message we heard from Jesus, and we now declare to you, God is light. What? And there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go, after, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, cleanses us from all our sin. I love this passage. But there's a reality in this that we just can't keep doing the sinning, living that sinful lifestyle, and expect to be called children of God. There needs to be a difference, folks. Just like there was a difference in Noah, God knew immediately that he was different from the rest of the world. Can God say that about you? Are you righteous? And it's never because of you. You know that, right? Our righteousness comes from Jesus. He clothes us in righteousness. Well, I hope you come into God's light if you haven't already. Would you join with me in prayer? And then we're going to see a short clip that just gives you a little bit of a, a visual of what it could have been like at that moment when the flood hit the earth. Would you bow your heads? Lord, we thank you again for everything that you're doing here today. And I trust that this message, Lord, will, will go deep within our spirit man or spirit woman. And Lord, that you would just help us to grow in you today. And as we face the, the temptations, as we face the world, Lord, I pray that somehow this message would help us to be stronger and, Lord, that we would be able to lead people to you as a result of what we've learned today. We commit this message into your hands. In Jesus' name, amen.
before I move on, I just wanted to give credit to AnswersInGenesis.org. This was one of their videos, and they're called Flood Geology. And I have a couple more that will be coming a little bit later. And uh, when I saw this the first time, it just sent shivers up and down my spine. And I thought, God, those people didn't know it was coming. And the same's going to be true this time when Jesus comes back. And they're not going to be ready. And they're going to be just as bad off as the people were before this flood. I'm guessing that Noah tried to preach to them and preach to them and preach to them. And they ignored his message. How many are around us today that need to hear that Jesus came to save them? Not unlike God sent the ark, he sent Jesus to save you and me. Genesis 7:24, the very end of chapter 7, and the flood waters covered the earth for 150 days. There's so many things I would like to teach you during this short time we have together. But I'm hoping that the one thing you come away with is that at the end of this series that you realize God's word can be trusted. It is truth. Hallelujah. What I'd like to look at today is how a global flood, just like the one we've been studying in the book of Genesis, could leave behind everything that we'd expect to see if we were geologists, if we were studying the rocks and the, all the formations, the tectonic plates and all of that. I love this uh, quote from Dr. Ken Ham, who happens to be the curator of the Creation Museum. He said this, if Noah's flood were true, you would expect to find millions of dead things buried in rock layers, laid down by water all over the earth, and what do we actually see in the fossil record? Millions of dead things buried in rock layers, laid down by water all over the earth. That's exactly what we find all around the globe. It really didn't ring a bell until recently, back in 1980, when we saw a ginormous flood that started because of a volcano on Mount St. Helen. Of course, Mount St. Helen was a snow-capped mountain, and when the volcano erupted, what do you think happened? The snow melted, creating all of this deluge of water quickly coming down the mountain and furrowing or burrowing into the ground, however you want to look at it. And again, I like to quote ICR, their scientists. Mount St. Helens revealed to the world that both thick and thin layering can happen fast. Millions of years are not needed to form sedimentary rock or stratigraphic layering. But we've been led to believe that's not the case, that everything happens over time. But I'm here to tell you today, Mount St. Helen proved that that wasn't necessary. Time is not necessary. In fact, what has been observed at Mount St. Helen is that hundreds of feet 
of rocks and fossils and deep ravines were created within days after the initial eruption. It actually created a gorge, if you will, over a hundred feet deep within the first few hours. So it doesn't take much to believe that the Grand Canyon could have been created after such a strong global flood as the one we read about here in Genesis chapter 7, 8, and 9. It could have happened in 40 days and 40 nights, just as the Bible teaches. I want to show this other clip. Flood geology, this shows what I'm talking about here. And again, I don't think I could have explained it any better, so I wanted you to see it. And then we'll begin reading in chapter 8. Where'd all the water go? The oceans are miles and miles deep. When God flooded the earth, I believe that those tectonic plates all moved in a way that brought the waters to the surface, as you saw in that first video. There's enough water on this planet to go over the mountains. And that's what happened. And then, at the end, some of these mountains were formed, raised up. And if you notice that first video, the continent was all together, which is what a lot of creation scientists believe, is we all started on the same plot of ground, and then God split the thing up through the flood, and that's where we get the different continents today, which makes sense. And if you look at the ridges along the ocean floor, you'll see that they all connect, just like they should have if there were this enormous flood all over the earth. Can we believe the Bible? Genesis chapter 8. I'm reading from the New Living Testament. But God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and livestock with him in the boat. He sent a wind to blow across the earth and the flood waters began to recede. The underground waters stopped flowing and the torrential rains from the sky were stopped. So the floodwaters gradually receded from the earth. So they didn't just disappear, but it took time. After 150 days, exactly five months from the time the flood began, the boat came to rest on the mountains of Ararat. Two and a half months later, as the waters continued to go down, other mountain peaks became visible. So we see these deep valleys cut out, and we see these mountains rising up as a result of these land shifts. After another 40 days, Noah opened the window he had made in the boat, and he released a raven. The bird flew back and forth until the floodwaters on the earth had dried up. He also released a dove to see if the water had receded and it could find no dry ground, or it could find, to see if it could find dry ground. But the dove could find no place to land because the water still covered the ground, so it returned to the boat. And Noah held out his hand, and he drew the dove back inside. After waiting another seven days, Noah released the dove again. This time, the dove returned to him in the evening with a fresh olive leaf in its beak. Then Noah knew the floodwaters were almost gone. He waited another seven days and then released the dove again. This time, it did not come back. Well, that was good news. 
Not to mention that the olive leaf would have represented fruit. That the plants were beginning to grow and there would be food for the animals and for Noah's family when they left the ark. Verse 13. Noah was now 601 years old. And we've already talked about this, but man, is that old. I just, with, with the way things are today, I would not want to live that long. How many say, Lord, take me? Take me. Sooner than later, you know, in your time, but when you're done, I'm ready. Because you're just fed up with everything around you. And he had to go through that for 601 years. On the first day of the new year, ten and a half months after the flood began, the flood waters had almost dried up from the earth. Noah lifted back the covering of the boat and saw that the surface of the ground was drying. Two more months went by, and at last, the earth was dry. Now, I don't know if any of you are super mathematicians, but this is over a year that they were on this boat. And I'm just guessing that it might have been a little stinky. Noah's wife was probably, no, the animals, the animals, pooping and peeing. I really had a good example of this recently when I went down to see my son Troy, who's working on a farm, and they're, they're raising about 600 calves all at the same time. And if you don't know this, that's the hardest, the first six months of a, a cow's life is the hardest time for the cow to live. Their mortality rate's really high, so that's why they do this. And then they sell the calves. Well, I walked into this barn, and I want to tell you something. <laughs> I just looked at my son, and I said, God bless you. <laughs> so every time you bite into that hamburger, you got somebody to thank, because that hamburger might not sound so good if you had to go into the place where the hamburger's living. Well, it's still on its four hooves. Yeah. Anyway, enough of that. Where was I? Verse 15, let's move on. <laughs> Another rabbit trail, cow trail. Then God said to Noah, leave the boat, all of you, you and your wife and your sons and their wives. Release all the animals, the birds, the livestock, and the small animals that scurry along the ground so they can be fruitful and multiply throughout the earth. You have to realize that all the land animals and all the birds are on this boat that still exist. When you go to a place like Florida, or have any of you ever been to the rainforest? Anyone in here? No? Man, we're not cultured. You have? Was it awesome? Were there like birds and animals and critters that walk under the everywhere? Even the kind you don't want? Yeah. Like banana spiders, all of those creatures came from the boat, with the exception of the ones that were already in the water. Okay? That's pretty amazing. And what did God say? He said, Be fruitful and multiply. He gave his blessing. When God blesses something, folks, it's blessed. When one God curses something, it's cursed. Up until the flood, God had cursed the ground. We went through that last week. After the flood, God 
blessed. And we see the result today as you look around and you see all the mammals that are next to you. All the people. None of us would be here were it not for Noah and his faithfulness. So Noah, his wife, his sons, and their wives left the boat, and all the large and small animals and birds came out of the boat pair by pair. Hallelujah. Then Noah built an altar. And there he sacrificed as burnt offerings the animals and birds that had been approved for that purpose. And the Lord was pleased with the aroma of the sacrifice. And he said to himself, I will never again curse the ground because of the human race, even though everything they think or imagine is bent toward evil from childhood. (laughs) Man, does he have our number. Have you ever stuck a a couple of little one-and-a-half-year-olds in the room? If you've worked in the nursery, right, Chris? You know what I'm saying. And one of them will latch on to a toy, and another one will want that toy, and man, all hell breaks loose. And there's lots of screaming and lots of wrestling. and Where's that come from? They're so innocent, right? God just said, (laughs) from birth, we're evil. Hallelujah. We are just these nasty little people. But he said, I will never again destroy all the living things. As long as the earth remains, there will be planting and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night. That was God's promise. And it's been happening just like that ever since the flood. God is faithful. So what we see established through the flood was a total cleansing of the earth. All humans and air-breathing animals and birds were destroyed. Then God set the ark upon a high mountain until the water began to drain back into the ocean basins. And after a little while, about a year, Noah and the animals were released to go out and to multiply, to prosper. And Noah and his family, and all the animals and birds left the ark and began to reproduce according to their own kind. And I'm going to show one more video here in just a minute that will help describe what it was like when those animals came together and why we only needed a handful of the animals. I wanted to read from chapter 9 first, verse 1. Then God blessed Noah and his sons, and he told them, Be fruitful and multiply Fill the earth. What's it say? You know, there is a, and I'm I'm just bringing this up because I read this recently, there is a segment of our population, very wealthy people that feel this earth has too many people on it, and they would like to eliminate some of us. It's contradictory to what God said. God said to fill the earth. There's still plenty of room for us. The problem is we haven't learned to share. If we shared our resources, there isn't a person on this planet that would go hungry. There isn't a person on this planet that would be cold. But hear me, there are people who don't want the population to grow. And I believe that's wrong. I believe that's anti-God. 
Verse 2, all the animals of the earth, all the birds of the sky, all the animals, all the small animals that scurry along the ground, all the fish in the sea will look on you with fear and terror. What do we see today? Exactly what it says. Bill, I saw pictures of you swimming around in the Caribbean or somewhere like that. Then I also saw you, I think you were out west. God bless you, man. Next time, take me. How did the animals respond to you, typically? They were fearful. You know, even those gigantic sharks, which could eat you, but I think they have a deep respect for us because typically they don't just come up and munch on you unless they think your leg is a fish flapping. And I think that's usually what happens. If they knew it was a human, they'd leave you alone because they, they know we carry those things that hurt them somehow. Bears, when you face off with them in the woods, unless it's a mother with cubs, then watch out. Bears typically will run the other way, even though they're bigger than you. We are feared, and rightfully so. I have placed them in your power, God said. I have given them to you for food, just as I have given you grain and vegetables, but you must never eat any meat that still has its lifeblood in it. And that's important to remember. I've never really seen anybody go grab a fish that they just caught and, and, and bit into it. Okay? That, yeah. Sushi's different. It's already dead. But to eat something that still has its lifeblood in it, that's just flat gross. And I will require the blood of anyone who takes another person's life. If a wild animal kills a person, it must die. And anyone who murders a fellow human must die. If anyone takes a human life, that person's life will also be taken by human hands. For God made human beings in His own image. We're different. We're special. That's what we must take away from this. We're not the same as the porpoises. Porpoises are awesome. Dolphins are awesome. But they're not the same as you and me. We, only we, were created in God's image by His hands. Now be fruitful and multiply and repopulate the earth. Again, over and over and over we see this idea. Then God told Noah and his sons, I hereby confirm my covenant with you and your descendants and with all the animals that were on the boat with you, the birds, the livestock, and all the wild animals, every living creature on earth. Yes, I am confirming my covenant with you. Never again will floodwaters kill all the creatures. Never again will a flood destroy the earth. And I believe God's lived up to that. Then God said, I am giving you a sign. A sign of my covenant with you and all the living creatures for all generations to come. I have placed my rainbow in the clouds. It is the sign of my covenant with you and with all the earth. When I send clouds over the earth, the rainbow will appear in the clouds. And I will remember my covenant with you and with all living creatures. Never again will the floodwaters destroy all life. When I see the rainbow in the clouds, I will remember the eternal covenant between God and every living creature on earth. 
And then God said to Noah, yes, this rainbow is the sign of the covenant I am confirming with all the creatures on the earth. Let's watch this short clip and then I'll come back and finish up. Well, I thought that explained it a whole lot better than me. Oops. Can you take me, uh, yeah, where you were, where I was? Thank you. There we go. Again, this was AnswersInGenesis.org, and I'm only giving them credit. This is copyrighted material, and I just want you to know that uh, we used their stuff. God's covenant. The rainbow in the sky. You know, we often get frustrated because there are others who have taken the rainbow to mean something else. But their rainbow is not in the sky. Only God's. And when you look up there and you see that magnificent bow of multicolors, it should remind you that God loves you. It should remind all of us that even though we're wicked, evil people, all have fallen short of God's glorious standard, God still loves us enough to make sure that we get through to the other side. And that's been his plan right from the beginning, to have people who wanted to be with him forever. Choosing to be with him. Even though we know we're flawed. Can everybody say amen? amen? We all know we're flawed, but God provided a way where there was no other way. And when we see this rainbow, it should remind us of this covenant that God established with man and all of the animals that were on this planet. And then God spoke a blessing over the whole earth. And he said, be fruitful and multiply. So that rainbow is a sign of that blessing. It's also important to see that the Lord made a covenant with Noah and the animals. And that word covenant, we really don't understand what the original definition was. There's really nothing describing it. However, we've come up with a couple of conclusions. One is that it means to cut. That does make some sense in that if you look at Hebrews 9.22, it actually says there is no forgiveness of sins, of sin without the shedding of blood. So we know that there... In the New Covenant, there has to be that shedding of blood. However, it can also mean to bind or to bond two together. And I believe that both of these are really fitting for what covenant means. God cuts a covenant with us through His Son Jesus, and that binds us or bonds us together for eternity. That's how I see this playing out. That's good news. God loves us. What I hope you're seeing as we study the foundational truths of the Bible is that there is plenty of evidence that shows us that we are living on a young earth rather than an earth that is millions of years old. The beauty of this, if you can grasp this, is that it leads us to another conclusion, the Scriptures can be trusted. We can believe everything that it says. As we've seen, the flood of Noah gives credibility to the evidences that we see all around us. 
millions of dead things buried in rock layers, laid down by water all over the earth. And that's exactly what we find if we go out and dig the ground up. What the flood said, what the flood did, the results of that flood, that's what's around us. That's what's in the ground. That's what the Grand Canyons look like, exactly as God said it would look. Hallelujah. That's a good thing, right? From creation to Adam's sin to the destruction of evil through the flood and God saving Noah and the animals to God sending his one and only son, Jesus Christ. Through it all, there is a beautiful harmony as God's plan comes together between the covers of this book that we call the Bible. Hopefully this helps build your faith. Hopefully it makes it easier for you to believe what the Bible record records as historical fact. The Bible isn't just a book of fairy tales as our enemy, the devil, the liar, has tried to convince the world. It's not. It's giving an accurate description of the things God saw when He created all of this. So here's my conclusion. As the musicians or musician comes forward, <laughs> yay for Mary! <laughs> Knowing that we can trust the Bible's record of how the earth began leads us to the fact that we can also trust. <clears throat> what the Bible says about Jesus Christ. Just as the ark took Noah and his family and all the animals to that place of safety, riding high above all the elements of water that would surely have destroyed them, those who believe in Jesus Christ will also find a place of safety from sin and certain death. As I've said so many times over the past few weeks, Jesus came to give us life and life abundantly. God wants us to be fruitful and to multiply. I believe that means he wants to prosper us. He wants to bless us. Those who choose to follow Jesus Christ as their Lord, they literally are setting themselves up to be blessed. Is that you? Would you stand with me this morning? Are you living for the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Have you put your trust in Him? Or are you still living as Noah's neighbors? Anti-God, doing your own thing. Their destiny was chosen by their lifestyle. Our destiny is chosen by our lifestyle. If you follow Jesus, you'll find yourself setting, you will find that you are setting yourselves up for blessing. And when you see that rainbow in the sky, it should remind you of what God's doing in your life. And it, He's not done. And I've seen some double, I've even seen triple rainbows. And, and I'm telling you, every time I see them, I just get excited about it. Because I know what it means. God loves me. 
Father God, we thank you again for the blessed promises that we find in your word. Bind this church together, Lord, capital C. Bind this local assembly together in the name of Jesus. Keep us friends with each other, Lord. I pray we would not be offended by what someone said or did or those dumb little things that we do or get in our head sometimes that really don't make a difference when it comes to eternal things. Help us to love others, Lord, as you first loved us. And God, I pray that we would be a witness. We would allow our testimony to be read throughout this land and that it would bring some to you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. We love you. Keep us safe in our coming and in our going. Amen. I hope you have a great week in Jesus. Make sure and hug somebody's neck. Find somebody you haven't met yet. God bless you. We pray you enjoyed this message from Pastor Norm Oberlin. If you would like to partner with Mount Hope Church, you can make your tax-deductible donation online at GaylorChurch.com. From there, just click on Give Online Now. Thanks for listening. We can't wait to be with you again next week.